0: Good morning. This morning, we're going to be looking at Genesis 17. So if you'd like to get your Bibles, we'll turn there and uh, I'm going to read it. Genesis 17. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household, or bought with his money, every male in his household, and circumcised them, as God told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that very day. And every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household or bought from a foreigner, was circumcised with him. This chapter is all about covenant. It features 14 times in this chapter alone, coming up so often. So a good starting place first morning is going to be the question what is a covenant. Well, a covenant is a binding contractual promise between God and man. God is promising blessing. He does that with Abraham all throughout this chapter. God comes to Abraham and as a vague summary goes, I'm your God. And I want to bless you I want to bless your descendants. I want to make a nation out of you. It's also contractual. So Abraham usually has something he needs to bring to the table as well. And covenants are sealed in blood. There's often, but there's always the shedding of blood to signify the importance, the life and death nature of a covenant. It is, it is serious. It is very serious. God is promising blessing, but there will be shedding of blood. It is a serious affair. In fact, we saw that in, in Genesis 15 a few weeks ago. Try to think of, of a way for us to relate it or to, to understand it. it is a, it's a wedding or a, or a marriage. On a wedding day, we exchange promises. It's a contractual promise in the sense of, we set out terms. We say, this is how we are going to live our life. We say things like, for richer, for poorer, for in sickness and in health, forsaking all others. It is a contractual promise. It affects how we live our life. It affects how we treat someone else. It's like a covenant between two people. And in fact, God uses the the imagery of a marriage throughout scripture when, talking about himself and Israel, with Israel as the bride and and God as the groom, that that kind of contractual, covenantal promise. And so let's quickly look in this chapter at the covenant God gives to Abraham. If we look at what God promises Abraham, in verse 2, God promises to greatly increase his numbers. Verse 4, Abraham will be the father of many nations. In verse six, Abraham will be very fruitful. Verse eight, will be an everlasting covenant. Verse nine, the whole land of Canaan will be given to his descendants. Verse 19, Sarah will have a son called Isaac within a year. And verse 20, Ishmael will be blessed. This is God laying out the blessings that he wants to give Abraham. What does Abraham need to do? And what's Abraham's side of the contract? God says in verse one that Abraham needs to walk before me faithfully and be blameless. And in verse 10, Abraham has to circumcise himself and all the male members of his household. So really, this is a pretty sweet deal for Abraham. God's saying to him, I want to bless you. I am God and I want to bless you. And in fact, I'm going to make it a covenant and a promise. I'm going to so seriously bless you and your descendants. It is going to be everlasting. God is going to hold himself to this. God has given him this big list of things that he wants to bless Abraham with. And Abraham has to do two things. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless and be circumcised. This is pretty generous. In fact, to go back to the marriage analogy, if God was a modern day celebrity, his entourage would be telling him to get a prenup. They'd be saying, this is too much. You're bringing too much to the table. What can Abraham offer you? But what we see starting here, and what we see at the beginning of this chapter is the real generosity of God. God comes to Abraham and says, this is what I want to give. This is how I want to bless you. And he doesn't hold back. And in fact, this is something that is unveiled throughout scripture, culminating in God actually giving himself so generously. We'll come to that later. So first question has been, what is a covenant? Hopefully we understand it. It's a binding promise between God and man. And so we've seen actually in this chapter, God is promising these amazing blessings to Abraham and his descendants, which leads us to the next question. Okay, God's promised all this. So what is going on with the name changes and the circumcision? Firstly, we will tackle the name changes. In the Old Testament, names can have prophetic meaning. It can often be about character, or it can be emphasising a promise from God. So Abraham means exalted father. Now in this chapter, God is changing Abraham's name to Abraham, taking it from exalted father to father of nations as a, a multiplication. It's not just that he's a good dad, actually he's gonna father nations. We see it throughout scripture as well actually, we see it in Jacob in Israel, um, we see it in Jesus called Yahweh saves. God uses names in this Bible to remind people of a promise to show them how uh, kind of to show them how powerful to show them how how much God is going to stick by his promise to keep them reminded at the forefront of their mind. Now, uh, when you're preparing a sermon and you come across this The first thing you obviously do is you Google what your own name means. My name, Grant, means tall, large, or great. Um, Great in size, unfortunately. Uh, It is a Scottish name and, you know, I'm working on it. It could be the promise of God over my life. The next thing you do when you're doing research for your sermon is you look up your wife's name. Now, my wife is called Lindsay and you look up the meaning of Lindsay and it has the glorious meaning of a swamp or marshland near the city of Lincoln. Now, if this was the Old Testament, the inhabitants of Lincoln's swamps would be quaking in their boots, especially about our descendants. Um, Thankfully for the uh, inhabitants of Lincoln swamps, we are no longer in the Old Testament. They have nothing to fear from our descendants, hopefully. Um, But yeah, that was a surprise. Anyhow, uh, name changes are a reminder of the covenant and it's a bit like a wedding ring. This wedding ring is there as a reminder of the promises I have given my wife. And in the same way, God is using the name changes here to remind Abraham and Sarah of the promises he has given them. It's a bit like if God promised you that he was gonna give you a Porsche, he'd then change your name from Grant to Porsche driver. So when, whenever anybody spoke to you, they'd be like, hi, Porsche driver. And you'd, you'd remember The promises that God have given you, they'd be so powerful and prevalent in your life that every time anybody spoke to you or addressed you, you'd be reminded of them. Interestingly, Sarah's name doesn't actually change in meaning. Sarai to Sarah, we think it's actually just princess and princess, just said differently. But nonetheless, when someone changes your name or pronounces it differently, you're going to be reminded of, actually, that's why my name changed. That's why it sounds different. It's because God changed it and he changed it because he promised this great blessing for me. Secondly, circumcision. Now, if you don't know what circumcision is, ask your parents. But for those of you who do know, um, The same question that probably occurred in Abraham's household is going to be a question to us. Why? Why circumcision? Well, if we look at the covenant, if we look at the promises God has given to Abraham, it's all about descendants. It's all about the future. It's all about Abraham's children, grandchildren. God, through circumcision, is putting a mark on the equipment used to make descendants. Whenever that equipment is used, or you look at that equipment, it will be different. And you're gonna remember the promises of God, and you're gonna remember that they relate to your descendants. And this was the shedding of blood that sealed the covenant. It is a serious matter. And that is why circumcision was part of this covenant, It is why it had to be in there, why God put it in there, because it would remind Abraham and his descendants of the promise that God had given to their forefather. It would be showing that you were included in the promise, you were included in the covenant and the blessing. So we've seen what a covenant is. We've looked at actually why God chose to change the names of Abraham and Sarah and actually why God gave circumcision as part of the covenant. They are reminders of his promises. So next is, how does Abraham respond to God, to God's promises? In verse 17 and 18, Abraham's initial response is to laugh. Verse 17 to 18 says this, it says, Abraham fell face down, he laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Now is this disbelief or is it, is it wonder? Is he laughing at the, the magnitude of what God's promised? You're nearly 100 years old and you're going to have a son. Is it slight dread? Can you imagine being a, 102 years old and having a toddler? I can't. Um, but what's interesting here is Abraham says this to himself. He doesn't address God with it. He doesn't bring potentially his disbelief to God, but God lets Abraham know that he's heard. God says to Abraham, name your son Isaac, which means he laughs. God knows Abraham laughed. And the next step is Abraham says, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing too. See, Abraham's already got this son. It was Abraham and Sarah's way of trying to fulfill God's promises, but doing it their own way. So Abraham says, "Can it? look, we've already done this. I've been bringing Ishmael up for the last 13 years. Can he not just inherit the promise? But God God is showing Abraham that actually his promises mean that the physical aren't any barrier. The chances of Abraham being nearly 100 and Sarah being 90, the chance of them having a child naturally is is zero. They even say, you know, they're as good as dead. But God is saying, actually, it is with you two together, it is your combination, it is the miraculous that I'm going to do that will be a blessing to the nations, it is with those descendants that I am going to bless. And yes, God says, I'm gonna bless Ishmael, but Ishmael's descendants are not gonna be the ones who carry this covenant. And this is an everlasting covenant. This is not something that will fade away. It's through Abraham's descendants that something eternal will come. After that, Abraham's next response comes in, verses 23 to 27. They say, on that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household or bought with his money, every male in his household, and circumcised them, as God told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that very day, and every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household or bought from a foreigner, was circumcised with him. What was Abraham's ultimate response to God's promise and God's covenant? It was obedience. Abraham gathered his household, he gathered all the males together, and he circumcised them. He took it seriously. And this shows Abraham's faith because these covenantal promises, they're they're about, Abraham's descendants, they are down the road. Abraham's not gonna see the inheritance of Canaan. Abraham isn't going to see his children, and grandchildren, great-grandchildren. He's not gonna see them become a great nation. But what Abraham does is he trusts God. He has faith in God, fulfilling his promises because he knows who God is. He knows his character. He knows God is faithful and God is true. And so Abraham goes, if what I need to do to take all of these promises is circumcise everyone, in faith, Abraham does that. And let's be honest, that's serious. You have to have some serious faith to go cutting off bits of your anatomy. But also look at how inclusive God's covenant is. God has said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless the line that descends from Isaac. But he also says, any member of your household who has been bought or is part of your household, they're included too. So it's kind of everyone brought under that, that headship of, of Abraham. It means people from the local nations who've become part of who Abraham, his estate, and who he was, they're all included in this covenant. It is, it is a big, generous promise from God. And so the final question for us is obviously looking at what is a covenant, why the name change and circumcision, and what does Abraham does? What does Abraham do? The fourth thing is, what does it mean for us? Well, good news for about 50% of us is that circumcision is no longer a requirement of the covenant. It's not something we need to do anymore because we live in the light of a new covenant. We're gonna to go to Colossians 2, verses 9 to 15. And that says this for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form and in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority in him. You were also circumcised with the circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. What the New Testament talks about is it talks about a new covenant. That is the meaning of New Testament. It is the new covenant initiated and brought in by Jesus. And what happens now is the circumcision of the old covenant, the circumcision, that was a physical circumcision, that's no more. But in fact, the circumcision, it was representative, it was the sign of the promise for the descendants, whereas now in the new covenant, the circumcision is the circumcision of the heart. And this is a theme that actually runs throughout Scripture. In Deuteronomy, actually, circumcision of the heart first comes up. It talks about God doing something greater than just the physical. It's about God changing hearts and minds. It is about God changing what's in here. We were dead in our sins and in the uncircumcision of our flesh, but by believing in Jesus, we were baptized and raised again. Our faith in him circumcised our hearts. It changed us inside. And then that means that we were brought into the covenant. In the same way, you had to be circumcised to be part of the the old covenant. You have to be circumcised to be part of the new covenant, but circumcised in the heart, not physical. And now the new covenant brought in by Jesus. It means we are forgiven, we are free, we are a new creation, we are, we are adopted. We are heirs, we have eternal life. And just as we spoke at the beginning of this about how a covenant needs to be sealed by blood, what we see is we see Jesus on the cross. Now Jesus on the cross, he paid the price for our sins. Under the, under the law, We were sinful, we were condemned, we were dead. But on that cross, Jesus fulfilled what was needed. He paid the price that we deserved. He died in our place and his blood was shed. But his blood was also shed to seal the new covenant. Says in Luke twenty two twenty, when Jesus is sharing the bread and the wine with his disciples at the Last Supper, Jesus says this. He says, "This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you." So this new covenant that we live in now, we live in it as changed people. We are a new creation. God is working in us by his spirit to make us new. God has given us a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. It's no longer about descendants. It's no longer about those coming after us. It's about the God workers, the work God has done in us through Jesus, through his Holy Spirit. Now. In the same way, with circumcision, God marked the equipment used to create descendants. By circumcising our hearts, God has marked the things that we use to interact with other people. The heart symbolically being where our emotions or our thoughts come from. As we have faith in Jesus. As we believe in him, as we receive his Holy Spirit, we are changed. And how we interact with other people changes. How we respond. Do we respond angrily? Do we respond selfishly? Or do we show love like Jesus showed love? We're becoming more like him. And his spirit works in us. Because God calls us to love one another. And how we love one another is meant to be a light to the world. Other people see how we love one another and they go, something is different. And what's different? Well, it's, it's Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit having worked in us. Our hearts have been circumcised. and that marks us as those who belong to him. So when you see anger and and hate between Christians by people in a church and churches fall apart by division, it's so sad because what we are called to is greater than that. We're meant to be a light to the world. And so our response so this chapter, I think, is like that of Abraham, it is to trust in God. Abraham trusted God and he put in place an action. He did something. We need to trust that God is going to work things out for his glory, not ours. It means that when things are difficult, when things are hard in life, Abraham had it hard. He had a promise to have a child and it took 14 years. At least. God was faithful to him. It didn't necessarily work out exactly how he thought, but he knew God and he trusted him. We as the people of God, we are to to trust God and to know him and then act. Let's love people generously as God loved us generously. And just like Abraham and his promise, we are to be an inclusive church. We are to bring in everyone under this household to inherit what God has given to us. Let us look to God who's assured us of an everlasting future, sealed in certainty, through the blood of Jesus. Let us be a diverse family who love one another with hearts that are changed by the spirit so that the world will see how much God loves them. Amen.